Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you can always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Welcome to Yule Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah. Prior to us recording, I was telling Maddie that I cracked open the window in my office because it was like a sauna in here, and the breeze feels nice. Gotta love that winter breeze. Mm-hmm. I'm sure halfway through this recording, I'm going to be like, no, I'm cold. And I'm going to have to shut the window. Probably. So this episode comes out on February 3rd. Okay. Which is the day after our mom's birthday. She's a groundhog baby. She's a groundhog baby. So in honor of her birthday, we let her pick what this week's topic is. And the topic is... It is a bit bashery. Yeah, she picked a real dark one. Otherwise known in the white person way of Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah. There's a lot of Hungarian in this. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to do the best that I can. I (laughs) went through last night and made sure I phonetically spelled out everything, but I'm probably still going to sum shit up. So probably it's okay. Sorry to... uh, Slovakia and Hungary and the Czech Republic, the Czech Republic and all of those, that cluster of countries. Many of them probably don't even listen. So it's fine. And they're like, whatever. <laughs> they're like, we don't care. <laughs> A for effort. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? We don't care. So information was pulled from the following sources, a 2020 All That's Interesting article by Elizabeth Sherman, a 2020 biography article 2020 History Daily article by Weird History, a 2018 Review of Historical Sciences article entitled Elizabeth Bathory, A True Story by Alexandra Bartosuski. Awesome. I'm going to go with it. A 2014 History Today article by Richard Cavendish, a Britannica article, History.com, and Wikipedia. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. So for those of you that don't know who Elizabeth Bathory is, Trigger warning. Lots of them. This is going to be one nasty episode. So if any of the following bother you, uh, murder, blood, incest, and extreme acts of torture, then you should probably skip this episode. And it's extreme acts of torture too. Yeah. Maybe watch some videos of screaming goats or kittens. Or compilations of wiener dogs running around in hot dog costumes. Bunny the dog using buttons asking where her dad is pooping. Yeah. So our disclaimer is you've been warned. Right. And if you're like, fuck my shit up, let's go. Yep. Get ready. Strap on. (laughs) Strap on and strap in. Let's get dark. All right. Elizabeth Bashery was born in Nierbator on August 7th, 1560 to Jorgi and Anna Bashery. Lucky for her, she was born into a Protestant family that liked to, quote, keep it in the family. And as a result, many of her relatives suffered from mental illness and other genetic disorders because incest. Awesome. Perfect. Elizabeth's parents often tortured their peasants for the smallest of offenses, usually in the presence of their daughter, and their reasoning was to teach her how to treat those who are beneath her. Cool. So she learned how to dehumanize at a very young age. Yep. Awesome. This is a great family. Mm-hmm. Starting off strong. They make a really... It, it'd be like FX's answer to all the TLC reality shows. Yep. <laughs> 
the extreme other side of the spectrum. (laughs) Right. So fortunately for her, she was a stunning beauty, noted for her lithe frame, creamy complexion, and luxurious raven hair. She was also, surprisingly, fiercely intelligent. Hmm. She spoke five languages, Hungarian, Slovak, Greek, Latin, and German, but that didn't spare her the indignities of her family. By the age of four or five, she was already suffering from epileptic seizures and violent mood swings, in addition to suffering from painful migraines. Mm, Not great. At four? Four or five, yeah. Wow. I can't imagine having a migraine at four. Everything hurts when you're four. Yeah. And at that time in history, the symptoms of epilepsy or falling sickness, as it was commonly referred to, were treated by rubbing the blood of a non-sufferer on the lips or in a mixture for the sufferer to drink. Some treatments also included rubbing blood from non-afflicted people into the blood of those who suffer fits. So basically from an early age, she was already surrounded by blood. Awesome. And they kind of gave her a taste for it. This makes more sense now. Yep. Actually, as we go on. But damn, I didn't know that they did that. Yep. I didn't either. You should just use like leeches and not give them blood. (laughs) Yeah. Weird. Okay. Yep. So in 1573, young Erzabet, who is now 13, was promised to 15-year-old Ferenc II Nadoji. According to custom, she was sent to the court of her soon-to-be mother-in-law to learn how to properly manage the house. At 15? At 13. At 13. Oh, damn. Okay. So she was 13 and he was 15. He was 15. Got it. So during her engagement, it was rumored that Elizabeth gave birth to a daughter that was conceived by a lowborn lover. Uh-oh. To preserve her reputation... Ferenz had the man castrated and torn apart by dogs while the child was hidden away by a woman that the Nadoji family trusted completely. Jesus. Yep. Wow. Okay. They also gave that woman explicit instructions to not return to Hungary while Elizabeth was still alive with the child. Okay. Honestly, probably for the best. Yep. And they also gave her quite a bit of money to live off of to support her and the illegitimate daughter honestly she probably won life out of everybody in this story already yeah she probably got the best thing yep so Elizabeth and Ferenc's wedding took place on may 8th 1575 in Vranov, which is located in eastern slovakia and was a celebration that lasted three days so at this point she was 15 and he was 17 Okay. As a gift, Ferenc gave his young wife the Gothic castle of Kastis, which is located in the rocky backwoods of Upper Hungary in the Little Carpathians. Okay. And this gift also included the 17 surrounding villages. So quite a big tract of land. Yep. Wow. Okay. So with their marriage, two of the most powerful families in Hungary were united. And unlike the Basharis, who were inbred and riddled with mental illness, the Nadoji family were respectable, pious, and conservative. Wow. I'm surprised that they let her marry into them. Well, they both had a lot of money and they were both very powerful and didn't actually really have a choice, probably. And actually, in this next next bit of information in my notes, you'll understand why. Got it. Okay. So you may be wondering why Elizabeth didn't take her new husband's last name. In fact, the Basharis were much higher on the social ladder than the Nadoji family, which is mm. why Elizabeth kept her surname. And in fact, Ferenc added her surname onto his own. Okay. That makes sense now. So it was more of a coup for his family than for hers. To move up. Yes. So newlyweds, Elizabeth and Ferenc lived in the Nadoji family estate, the castle of Savar, but they weren't always together. Ferenc spent most of his time away from his wife at war. Three years after they married, he was off fighting the Turks in 1578 in what would go on to be known the 13 Years War. That doesn't mean that Elizabeth was just sitting at home waiting for her husband. Yeah, she doesn't seem like the type. No. She was often traveling between numerous castles to oversee their estates, including the castle her husband had gifted to her, as well as to check on her multitude of servants. Check on them. Okay. 
Is that what she called it? To make sure they are properly tending to the estates in their absence. Ugh, okay. The couple spent 10 years together before the birth of their first child, Anna Nadoji, in 1585, followed by Orsolia in 1590, Cataline in 1594, Andras in 1596, who passed in 1603 at the age of seven, mm-hmm. and Powell in 1598. So he was the only son. Okay. It's believed that they bore a sixth child and second son who was named Miklos, but there are no records of him in Elizabeth's will. So it's believed he passed at infancy. Okay. Yeah, that kind of, if she's older too, and that, uh, how many children did she have at that point? She had five at that point. Yeah. I feel like um, survival rates kind of get less and less during that time, the more children you had. Yeah. So by the time the long war began in 1591, Ferens, now 36, was labeled the Black Bay or the Black Knight. For funsies, he'd throw up pairs of Turkish soldiers before catching them on the tips of his swords, which was a super cool parlor trick. Gross. Yep. So he was just as dark as she was. If not more so, yes. More so, you think? Well, he was off slaughtering people all the time. And I think given a nickname like Black Knight is probably a good indication that he was terrifying. Yeah, but I, I feel like there's a difference in killing killing people for a cause in a war that you think you're right in term, as opposed to like killing for funsies. Well, we'll get into it. Your opinion might change. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Farron spent a majority of his marriage to Elizabeth off at war, but it's believed that when they were together, he taught her some of his favorite torture techniques. Uh, okay. All right. Yep. Jesus. All right. All right. Again, graphic torture coming up. So if you're still here, get ready for some nightmare fuel. Awesome. Rumors began to circulate the village of Trencine in 1602 that girls looking for work in the nearby Chete Castle were disappearing. But that wasn't all. There were rumors that some truly heinous atrocities were being committed against these missing girls at Elizabeth's castle. Lutheran minister Istvan Maghieri cried out against her and her crimes at the Vienna court, as well as to his congregation, demanding an investigation. I'm sure that went really well. Yeah. Tales were whispered about her beating her servants with clubs, burning them with hot irons, sticking needles under their fingernails, covering them in ice water before leaving them outside to freeze to death. That's the one I remember the most. Yep. In addition to covering them in honey, tying them down, and leaving them to be feasted on by bugs. Yep, that one too. More violent acts included sewing together the lips of seamstresses who displeased her, using scissors to cut off the fingers, noses, and genitals of her servants. Oh, God. In addition to biting off chunks of flesh from their cheeks and breasts. Mom, why did you pick this story? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're almost done with the torture part. Okay. One of the most famous rumors was that she bathed in the blood of her victims in order to maintain her youthful appearance, while others claimed she regularly indulged in cannibalism and consorted with the devil. And that is the end of the torture stuff. So just, just that chunk. It shouldn't get gross after this. But I have already are- forgotten. The bugs remind me of that one X-Files episode with like the fire ants. Yeah. That would like eat the people in like seconds. Yeah. No, thank you. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I saw that as a kid and I never, ever, 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 ever will forget it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Cool. Unfortunately for Elizabeth, Ferens died on January 4th, 1604 at the age of 49. The official cause of death was listed as injuries he sustained during combat several days prior, but the locals believed that Elizabeth played a hand in his demise. Huh. Okay. It's more likely that whatever killed him started in 1601, so three years before. Okay. When he started to complain of debilitating leg pain. Think he got gout? I don't know. But in, by 1603, he was completely disabled. Heart disease is a bitch, man. 
Historians believe that it's likely he died as a result of mercury poisoning, which at that time was used as a means to heal venereal diseases. Oh. Yeah. Fun. Yep. Fight poison with poison. Mm-hmm. Witnesses began spreading rumors that Erzabet was luring 10 to 14-year-old peasant girls to the castle in hopes of work with the actual intention of murdering them before setting her sights on the young gentry who were sent to Shaita for education in good manners and courtly etiquette. Following Ferenc's death, Erzabet moved permanently to the Gothic castle in Hungary that he had gifted her upon their wedding. And a year later, upon the death of her brother, Stephen, who died at the age of 50, she inherited Devon Castle, which was located on the Austrian border. Hmm. Okay. Elizabeth continued to manage her large estate until she was arrested on December 29th, 1610, by Palatine Jorgi Thruzo. Elizabeth and her accomplices, Dorocha Sentesh, Ilona Jo, and dwarf Jan Uvari, were accused of beating, torturing, and murdering noblewomen. And I couldn't find a concrete number anywhere because, like, all of my sources kind of conflicted. Okay. So the range could be as low as 30 or as high as 80. So it's it's a crime now because she's murdering noblewomen. Yes. Real people. Yes. That is the accusation. Got it. Elizabeth's accomplices and the countess refused to admit to the crimes, but her servants did admit to burying multiple victims during their trials on January 2nd and January 7th of 1611. Dor Ocha and Ilona were burned alive, while Jan was beheaded and then thrown into the fire. It's not known what happened to the other woman, but it's believed that she was in prison for life. Okay. Clergy tried to force that Palatine clergy tried to force the Palatine to add witchcraft to the charges, even asking the witnesses to testify under torture, which is a super Christian thing to do. Right. Especially since like they've already been tortured to this point. Yep. Elizabeth wrote letters to King Matthias II begging for an acquittal, and records show that he demanded further investigations be conducted. In July and December of 1611, testimonies of 336 additional witnesses were added to the files of the case. The dingo is planned for her. (laughs) Of those interviewed, more than 250 gave conflicting information or no information at all. Awesome. In fact, many of the additional witnesses were tortured into giving testimony. Cool, 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 cool. Those poor people never got a break. No. Elizabeth, fearing a conviction, wrote a will on July 31st, 1614, in which she left everything to her children. Just a month later, on August 21st, 1614, the countess was found on the floor dead at the age of 54 in one of her chambers. Hmm. She was buried three months later in the crypt of the Kashtis Church on November 25th, 1614. Unfortunately for her family, the locals demanded that she be removed. So she was reburied in 1617 in Nagichad, which is located in northeastern Hungary. Hmm. To add more intrigue to the story, her family crypt was open in 1995 and her remains weren't there. Ooh. Some historians believe she's buried somewhere in Budapest. The final resting place of the countess has been lost to time. Creepy. So now we are going to go into some actual facts. Okay. Not that that wasn't true, but that there are some aspects of it that were embellished, were embellished or have been contested. Okay. After her death, numerous charges and supposed details of her life came to light. Just some of the rumors that were circulated include that she was syphilitic from all the inbreeding in her family, that she had an incestuous relationship with her Aunt Clara and was the most prolific serial killer in history whose crimes inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yep, that I knew. Yep. I cannot talk today. There are many reports that Elizabeth was a cruel mistress who tortured her servants in some of the most depraved ways imaginable, as we discussed earlier. However, it would have been foolish to kill off her help, as the cholera epidemic was doing a good job of that all on its own during that time. 
and she needed people to work, especially given the fact that she had so many properties to manage. Fair enough. Can't keep killing the help. Yep. Well, you get more and more property. Yep. Rumors circulated that she performed sadistic acts against the daughters of rich families who were sent to live with her from time to time to learn the ways of the Hungarian court. But if this was truly the case, it would have quickly been brought to light and investigations would have been conducted immediately, not after six years. Yeah. In regards to the rumors that she bathed in the blood of virgins, one bath alone would have taken the blood of 30 victims. And this supposed act wasn't actually mentioned until just over 100 years after her death by Laszlo Tarochi. Hmm. And it also wasn't until several years after her death that the rumor she killed as many as 650 servants and young nobles came to light, which marked her as one of the most prolific serial killers in history and landed her in the Guinness Book of World Records. Awesome. Many historians believe that the trial itself was merely a spectacle to destroy the power of the Bashery family. Palatine Thurzo preyed on the suspicion and fear of the locals and used it to his advantage, weaving tales of abuse, witchcraft, and murder. That's funny. Yeah. In fact, Elizabeth was very passionate about healing, which makes sense given that she had, you know, epilepsy and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And was a sick kid all her life. Yep. So much so that each noblewoman that resided in her castle was required to learn basic anatomy and simple healing practices. It was when she hired Anna Darvulia, who was a healer and midwife from Vienna, that rumors began to spread that she had brought a witch into her household. Anna's actual specialties were surgery, cutting out tumors and birthmarks, bloodletting, and cauterizing wounds with hot irons. She treated fevers by alternating hot and cold baths and bubbles and had infected items removed, such as tissue, boils, and abscesses. Since I'm assuming anesthetics weren't a thing at this time, I'm sure all of this was extremely painful, which could have been the cause of the tales that she was torturing servants. Yep, that would make sense. In regards to the deaths of virgins, there are well-documented cases of plagues and typhus taking the lives of several women during this this period of time. In fact, eight women died within one week in 1610 alone in Kashtis. It was impossible to pin these deaths on the countess, however, because at the time, Elizabeth was in Vienna with her daughter, with one of her daughters. Okay. Palatine Thurzo claimed to have caught the countess red-handed committing a heinous crime, but in reality, he came upon the scene of a young woman being treated after a mauling by a wild animal. Hmm. It was noted that Elizabeth did not plead guilty and was not allowed to offer testimony to her innocence. Hmm. Even though she wasn't formally held in custody, she wasn't allowed to leave the castle, which in itself was unprecedented at that time in history. Rumors state that she was bricked into her room with only slits for air and for food. Yep, I remember that. But she was actually allowed to wander freely in her castle. She just couldn't leave. Okay, so it's kind of like house arrest, essentially. Yes, she was basically the medieval form of house arrest. (laughs) Ye old house arrest. Yep. It's most likely that Elizabeth's trial and eventual downfall was all a political ploy by the Habsburgs family in an effort to reclaim control over Hungary. At that time, the Bashery line held the majority of control. And in fact, Gabriel Bashery planned to unite the country once again after he became the Prince of Transylvania. Given the land that Elizabeth inherited upon Ferenc's death, Gabriel would have easily been able to secure safe passage between Hungary and Poland in efforts to unite the kingdom. And that was her nephew. Okay. Of course, as with all things, money was also a factor. See, at that time, King Matthias II of Hungary actually owed Ferenc, and then later his wife Elizabeth, quite a bit of money. Oh, And in the 17th century, the royal treasury was able to claim the property of anyone convicted of a crime. Okay. See where this is going? Yep. If a noble was found guilty of, say, murder, Mm -hmm. they'd be put to death and their fortune would then be the legal property of the royal family. 
So if the plot to have her convicted of murder and put to death had gone through, he would no longer be indebted to her and could take over the vast fortunes and land that she owned. And she pretty much owned most of Hungary at that point. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good political move, honestly. Mm -hmm. So say what you will about her, but Elizabeth was smart. And I'm sure she had an inkling of what was being plotted against her, which is why she wrote up a will, leaving everything to her children, which is something that would negate the law that allowed the Hungarian king from laying claim to her fortune. Good on her. Fortunately for Erzabet, prior to her husband's death, he had implored Palatine Yorgi Furzo, which is the person who was prosecuting her, Mm. to care for his family after his passing. So even though the Palatine believed in her guilt of the crimes she was accused of, he was able to prevent her from the shame of a public trial by having her imprisoned in her castle and having her not testify. It's nice. So even though it is likely she did torture her workers to an extent, yes, that was still a common practice at that time. And what her parents did. Yep. It's hard to believe that anyone, no matter how powerful, could hide the murder of so many people over the span of six years. And we'll never know for sure what truly happened. And if Elizabeth was the bloody countess she was painted as. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know that there was so many other side things. Yeah, it makes sense. You would think if, if she was killing all these like young women left and right all the time that their parents and their families are at some point would rise up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I thought the political aspect of it was very interesting because that's something that I feel wasn't really talked about. And I had to really kind of piece it together from all those sources because there were a lot of, even like the date that she wrote her will in one spot, it was a different date, but Mm -hmm. I kind of, I kind of went off the date that was listed in two sources because I figured if it was backed up somewhere else it was probably more likely to be that versus the other one which put it at some time in August and I only found in one source that the night before she died she had complained of being very cold okay and I don't know what that means if she had like a fever or something if she had gotten sick from something but I know one of the guards that had to make sure she adhered to her house arrest was like, well, why don't you just go lay down, you know? And then the next day she was found dead on the floor. Yeah, that sounds like a fever or some sort of... And who knows, maybe she had another seizure and it was Mm -hmm. just bad enough where it it took her life. So Yeah. Because it didn't really say after the age of five how many more seizures she had, like how often she had them how often she had these migraines. So it's hard to say. I doubt that's something she would have been like, dear diary, the day I had another seizure and my head felt like it was split into two. So, yeah. And the number of like 650, there was, there were a bunch of claims that one of her servants had seen this book that listed all the names of the people that she'd murdered. Yep. I remember that story. But of course, no book could be found. So it's like convenient. convenient. And honestly, most of the servants she had probably couldn't read. So how even if she did have a book of some sort, how would she know it was people's names? It's true. For all we know, it was a diary. I don't know. Or it Mm -hmm. could have been her trying to work through, you know, potions and remedies. If she was a healer, she would have. If those were her like, quote unquote, patients too. Yep. Who knows? Names. It's, yeah, again, we'll never really know because for as prolific as she is, there wasn't a whole lot of concrete, like factual information about her actual history. Just retellings of the supposed crime she did of all the like torture and all that kind of stuff. So there wasn't a lot of real historical facts. So yeah. Awesome. You're welcome, mom. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> terrible people doing terrible things. I'm Laura, and I'm a true crime horror addict who enjoys researching dark and twisted stories. And I'm Amanda, and I'm a licensed psychologist who enjoys studying the worst of humanity. If you enjoy reading about serial killers, cults, unsolved murders, and nuns, 
learning about the psychology of narcissists, necrophilia, and fetishistic disorder, then check us out at Terrible People Doing Terrible Things, available on all major podcast apps. So this week's podcast plug is Terrible People Doing Terrible Things. Awesome. I thought it was fitting to use that one this week. Yeah. And it's run by Laura and our girl, Amanda. Hey, girl. Hey. And it's a hilarious podcast where they take turns sharing stories about, you guessed it, terrible people doing terrible things. Yay. Just some of the stories they've covered include, um, they did Alfred Packer for one of them. Oh. Yep. They did the story of the Frenchman who like ate everything. Yep. They covered what's some of the other ones they've done. That one guy who kept getting poisoned and stuff, but he just wouldn't die. Do you remember that story? It was it was on lore once upon a time. And this was back in the days when they would give people like wood alcohol because it was prohibition. Yeah. It- it doesn't really ring a bell to me. A bunch of his buddies thought he had a bunch. They were trying to rob him. And so they were like, well, we'll kill him to take his money. And they kept giving him like wood alcohol and he wouldn't die. They gave him like a sandwich that had like ground up glass in it and stuff. And he ate it and he didn't die. And it was like all this stuff. They like beat the shit out of him. He didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, upstanding citizens. So if you like silly banter kind of like ours, I think you should check out their podcast because it's it's really funny. Seems very dark and weird. So if you're in that kind of mood where you like kind of want to laugh, but also want to be grossed out, Mm -hmm. it's a good one to do. Yep. So this week's question comes from our boy Josh of the Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Okay. He wants to know, which of the founding fathers do you think is most likely to have been a serial killer? Okay. So that was the thing I was like, we're going to have to play a fun Google game. Yeah. So do you want to be the Googler? And I can give you the names and you can like find out like what they're famous for, or like fun facts about who they are. And then after we go through all of them, we can pick who we think. Yeah. So the first one is Mr. John Hancock. Really? Mm-hmm. He was a patriot. <laughs> They're all patriots. They all signed the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> right. He had that big-ass signature. Mm-hmm. He was the first person to sign the Declaration of Independence. He was a part of a, mas- a massacre, though. Oh. Oh, just kidding. He wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> JK, JK. He was a part of a committee afterwards and be like, that was bad. (laughs) I think a bunch of people is bad, guys. What else am I supposed to do about John Hancock? So we just wrote down he's a patriot. He had a big ass signature and he was the first person to sign the Declaration of Independence. So that's Mm -hmm. John Hancock. What about James Madison? No, he was a dick. I think we're related to him. Really? Fuck. Yeah, he was a dick was a dick adding that to my notes (laughs) i mean he was president he was the fourth president right yes he was also part of the house of representatives he was the fifth secretary of state he died of congestive heart failure oh that sucks john adams is our next boy also a dick wasn't he the one that saw the witch though the bell witch was he no, I think that was our boy, George Washington. I, I don't know. Google it. Yeah, I'm just going to do Bell Witch President. Bell Witch President. Bell Witch for President. Andrew Jackson. Sorry. It was Andrew, Andrew Jackson. No, nope, he's not on this list. Okay, so John Adams. So he was a dick. Is he the one that slept he with Died on this? Independence Day. Oh, sucks to be you. He died on July 4th. Um, he was the second president of the United States. He didn't like the Stamp Act. Oh. Was the first person on the war on stamps, apparently. First vice president. Didn't he have, wasn't he the one that slept with all the slaves? I think that was all of them. Or was I, or am I thinking of Thomas Jefferson? One of them had slept with a bunch of his slaves. 
Adams never owned a slave and declined on principle to use slave labor. Oh. The slave labor saying, I have, through my whole life, held the practice of slavery in such abhorrence that I, I have never owned a Negro or any other slave, though I have lived for many years in times when the practice was not disgraceful, when the best men in my vicinity thought it not inconsistent with their character, and when it has cost me thousands of dollars for labor and substance of free men, which I might have saved by the purchase of Negroes at times when they were very cheap. Okay, I take it back. Good for you, John Adams. Yeah. I'm sorry I uh, slurred your name. He just looks kind of persnickety. Yeah, he looks like he wouldn't be a fun guy to party with. No. He'd just be grumbling about how much he hates stamps. <sighs> At post office. Meh. Yeah, he's not. Next up is our boy, Ben Franklin. Yeah, he definitely killed somebody or did something weird. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that like people think that uh, he was a president? That's so funny. He had his own imaginary state for a while. He was the sixth president of Pennsylvania. Oh, cool story, bro. (laughs) He wanted the turkey for the. Oh, he was the first United States postmaster general. Oh, what a little bitch. Oh, he was a vegetarian. Oh, oh. He declared the consumption of meat to be unprovoked murder. But he just started to eat fish. <laughs> fish don't have feelings. He justified the eating of animals by having observed that the fish's stomach contained other fish. Ooh. He was excited by tofu. Ooh. Tofu gave him a boner. Didn't he do some, wasn't he kind of freaky? He was into yeah. like freaky sex stuff. Yep. Freaky sex stuff. All right. Oh, what? Advice to a friend on choosing a mistress is a letter written by Benjamin Franklin dated June 25th, 1745, in which Franklin gives advice to a young man about channeling sexual urges due to its licentious nature. The letter was not published in the collections of Franklin's papers during the 19th century. Federal court decisions from the mid to late 20th century cited the document as a reason for overturning obscenity laws, using it to make a case against censorship. Interesting. All right. right. Our boy George Washington is up next. Honestly, he like murdered that cherry tree. So (laughs) hates nature. (laughs) Weird. Is his cause of death epiglottis? That's a. That's a body part. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know his death now. What? Epiglottis. He was the first president of the United States of America. Oh, his tongue swelled up and he, and he died. Oh. That's a bummer. Swallowed his own tongue. Honestly, the first commander in chief. I do. Oh, he created Thanksgiving. Did you know that? No. Washington proclaimed November 26th as a day of Thanksgiving in order to encourage national unity. There you go, Biden. You got to create Thanksgiving 2.0. It'll fix all of the things. There you go. All right. I think we can agree that George Washington was a good dude. What about Patrick Henry? Ooh, he sounds like a dick. (laughs) Sounds like a dick. Oh, yeah. He was tall because he was six feet. Oh, oh, sad. Washington only had one tooth when he died. Oh, I don't know why, but that just like, oh, he was also an excellent dancer. Oh, <laughs> excellent dancer. I'm really liking this. I'm just going to start looking at everyone's favorite grandpa. Yeah. I only had one tooth, but I can move my feet. All right. Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry was six feet tall. Sounds like a dick. <laughs> Oh, no. Washington was six feet tall. Oh, he was. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Patrick Henry in his little picture looks surprised. Like he's like, (laughs) (laughs) you're taking my portrait. He was notable for his inflammatory rhetoric against the Stamp Act. So he was not friends with fucking Ben Franklin. This is my new favorite question. I'm glad I didn't Google any of this stuff. This is fun. He was a governor twice. All right. What about Thomas Jefferson? Ooh. He was the third president, wasn't he? 
he is the one that had slaves, right? Yeah, most of them did. This guy um, that Patrick Henry did. He was the third president. He also died on Independence Day. Oh. Uh... Did he and John Adams have a suicide pact? Apparently. I love how I'm just starting rumors about <laughs> Thomas Jefferson <laughs> and John Adams. Historical reputation. Let's see if there's something. He went to the College of William and Mary. <laughs> like, this is our college. <laughs> he looked good in wigs. Not bad. Had a nice wig. Had a nice wig. So a lot of people didn't like him. He was $100,000 in debt before he died. Damn, son. He died on the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. His last words were, no, doctor, nothing more. <laughs> You're but his final significant words are often cited as is it the fourth <laughs> <laughs> you fucking would alright our next up is Alexander Hamilton I don't know the raps I haven't seen it either maybe we should like live watch it together sometime no I don't I don't like musicals <laughs> that, would, <laughs> don't like that would kill me I know I don't want it well, if you, he was murdered, does that count? Was murdered. Do, 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 by a gunshot wound. Duel with Burr and death. Ooh, he was a child in the Caribbean. Look at him. His first child died in a duel. His last child um, was called Little Phil. And he was yeah. named after his older brother that died in the duel. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> what a bummer. You're a bummer, Alexander Hamilton. Why are they picking? The Panic of 1792. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. All right. What about Thomas Paine? Ooh, there's Paine in the name. Oh, he's handsome. <laughs> handsome. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a friendly looking face. Secular humanism. Oh, he's the one that wrote something, right? Common sense. Oh, common sense. That's right. Mm-hmm. Which crystallized the sentiment for independence in 1776. Ooh. He signed it anonymous, anonymously as an Englishman. Mm-hmm. He loved the French Revolution. He just loved freedom. Yeah. He was like, screw you guys. Freedom's the shit. I love freedom and fries. He was imprisoned in France. Ooh, he called George Washington incompetent and vain and an ungrateful person because he wouldn't help him in prison. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's got a funny little death, death mask. <laughs> <laughs> what about Samuel Adams? He was buried under a walnut tree. Ooh. He's more of like a me. Oh, he's pointing at something. He's like, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> what a weirdo. Look over there. What's that? <laughs> I will spit up my coffee everywhere. What's that? What's that? Stain on my new paper. What's over there? He was also part of the stamp pack. Tea party. Oh, hey, Sam Adams. Okay, who's next? Uh, Sam Adams is boring. Okay, boring. Richard Hi. Henry Lee. <laughs> All right. Sam Adams is boring. He just has beer. Boring. He has no musical. Has beer and no musical. President of Congress. He has like nothing. He was in a musical, 1776. Was it about Independence Day? (laughs) (laughs) We're free. We're free. We're a country, a country. Music, 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 dance. (laughs) He performs a song called The Lees of Old Virginia, in which he explains how he knows how he will be able to convince the Virginia House of Burgesses to allow him to propose independence and celebrates his own status as a Lee, one of the first families of Virginia. He's Mm -hmm. presented as vain, not bright, and um, was just the comedic relief. (laughs) Homer. Nice. He was a dumb, dumb, dummy. There's no no murder. Okay. What about John Dickinson? Dang, he had 13 children. What? 13 dumb children. His resting resting place is the burnt house fields. (coughs) His family had a tobacco plantation. 
Wow. He was the president of Pennsylvania and Delaware. He seems kind of boring. Boring? Okay. He prepared the first draft of the Articles of Confederation. Uh, the articles he drafted were based around the concept of a person rather than man. All right. What about James Monroe? He died of tuberculosis. Huh. The fifth president of the United States. His presidency was the era of good feelings. Oh, yeah. The Panic of 1819. Oh, God. It was the first major depression to hit the country since the ratification of the Constitution in 1788. Oh. It was part of the aftermath of the War of 1812 and the Napoleonic Wars. What about Roger Sherman? He looks very crotchety. He was the first mayor of New Haven, Connecticut. He married two times and had 15 children. Jeez. Dang. He was a shoemaker and went to Harvard. What about Benjamin Rush? He was a doctor. He was against murder, like capital punishment. Every man possesses an absolute power over his own liberty and property, but not over his life. The punishment of murder by death is contrary to reason. Punishment of murder by death is contrary to divine revelation. So he was like, don't kill people. He died of typhus. He helped reconcile the friendship of Jefferson and Adams by saying they should write to each other. Yeah. Friends. Adams and who? Jefferson. Oh, no. He used mercury for mental illness. Ew. Bummer. He pioneered the therapeutic approach to addiction. Who's next? George Mason. How many of these do we have? There's two more after this. I was like, good God, there's so many founding fathers. (laughs) I had no idea. Jefferson used one of his articles in drafting the Declaration of Independence. He paraphrased. He stole. He said he made the minimum age of a congressman to be 25 because he thought that men younger were immature. John Marshall. He was the fourth chief of justice. He was born in a log cabin. Wow. Two-room log cabin. Marshall's opinions were workmanlike and not eloquent or subtle. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) The Liberty Bell was rung following his death, and a widespread story claims that this is when the bell cracked, never to be rung again. Way to go. Fucking lame-ass ghost cracked the bell. John Jay is the last one. Ambassador to Spain, first chief justice, second governor of New York. He was a peace commissioner. He's got a stamp. That's all I got. All right. So of all of those people that we just researched, and by we, I mean you, who do you think could have been a serial killer? Franklin. Franklin. What about you? I feel like it could have been the doctor. You think? I mean, Benjamin Franklin's the obvious one, the obvious choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was a weird dude. But I would say the doctor could have been one, yeah. even though he was against capital punishment. But he treated mental illness. So I'm going to say Benjamin Rush. Thanks for that educational question, Josh. We learned so much about the founding fathers and how boring they were. Yeah, they sucked. And now you know how boring they are, too. You're yeah, don't at me about Hamilton. Get out of my house. <laughs> I want to watch it. You're welcome. So what's something good you'd like to share this week? Um, I just want to let everybody know that I reached for the stars and got an exercise trampoline, a smaller trampoline. And it has an, like an arm thing for safety or whatever. <laughs> so you and don't just springboard yourself off of it? Like, oh my God, it's so fun. It's the most fun. And mom and dad have used it too, so in your face. Now I am just going to practice and prepare for when I get the big one. There you go. Hashtag team trampoline. (laughs) Hashtag team trampoline. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? Um, I think my something good this week is on Thursday, I was able to be kind of like a last minute surprise guest for Kina and the historical AF podcast. Okay. And I talked about 
cats from like Japanese folklore. So I got to talk about that. And one of my favorites was um, talking about the Bakaneko prostitutes of the Edo era and how there was this belief that you had to be careful if you were looking to have sex in the Edo era because the woman that you purchased could have potentially been a cat person in disguise and eat you after they had sex with you. Oh, no. Not the cat people. Not the cat people. (laughs) So I thought that was funny. So I'll include a link to the episode in the show notes. It'll be out by the time this comes out. Cool. Send me the link. Mm -hmm. Ready to rock? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're on Twitter at yieldcrimepod, on Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. We are on YouTube. I keep forgetting to mention that. It only took me the 36th <laughs> episode to talk about it. <laughs> so if you like just having everything in a playlist playing in the background on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Which I do sometimes. Go ahead and subscribe because we mm-hmm. are there. Mm-hmm. You can email us your questions or whatever you want at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. A great free way to support the show is to leave us a five-star rating and review. And this week, the review comes from Classical Glaza, who is one of our friends. She does the Classical Adventures for One podcast. And her review is short and sweet. It says, fun hosts, five stars, definitely well-researched and a lot of fun to listen to. Except for like that whole excerpt on precedence. I kind of messed that up. <laughs> <laughs> that was boring. <laughs> Not I hated it. Research. Sorry. <laughs> that was called skimming. Don't review that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Gwaza. Yeah, thank you. Very nice. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so with a one-time donation at Buy Me a Coffee. We are still in the process of trying to raise $300 to purchase new audio equipment and have currently raised $259. So we're just $41 away from reaching our goal. That's so cool. Thank you, guys. So once again, we'd like to thank Emily from Drink Drunk Dead, Kara, Christina from Crime Lore, Bernadette from Murderific, Mark, Andy Dropin, Madeline from Crematorium, Glaza from Classical Adventures for One, Brad, Shannon and Christina from One Crime at a Time, Carol and Paul and Ryan from Cold Collars Comedy Podcast. Awesome. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon. We have a $1 tier that we've added this year, which will get you ad free early access to all of our episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, the higher up in the tiers you go, the more benefits you get, like being able to see outtakes of our beautiful faces. So beautiful, especially right now, at this very moment. You can also support us um, by purchasing some merch at our tea public store. Hey, and I don't know when the sales are in February yet because I haven't gotten that email. So stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Chances are there will not be a sale by the time this com- episode comes out because usually they're not the first week of the month, but I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, you'll see it on social media. With that, As always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we will see you next time with another tale. As old as crime.